0: Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a Yukon women's basketball podcast. We are back just before the start of the season after taking our little summer hiatus there with a couple episodes sprinkled here and there, but we're back, back to once a week. Somehow there are only two weeks until the first exhibition game. A week from this past Sunday, two weeks from this past Sunday UConn will play its first exhibition, its first and only exhibition against Cutstown. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but Cutstown at the XL Center. And then four days after that, they'll open the season with a pseudo exhibition, but it counts as a real game against Northeastern, which I really don't know how we got to this point. It feels like this offseason has lasted forever. But it also doesn't feel like we're in the swing of the season yet. Probably because it's not November yet. I think once the calendar flips to November, that's when it feels a little more real. But October just doesn't quite feel like basketball season yet. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. It's also just like baffling to me that it's literally November next week. I'm not sure when that happened either, but somehow we are here.
0: That's because September didn't exist. (laughs) We went from August to October and now it's november and then suddenly november is going to turn into february and it's going to be those long weeks with conference (laughs) games that aren't particularly close and then all of a sudden the big east tournament's going to come around then we're going to have that long break and then all of a sudden it's going to be the ncaa tournament (laughs) and then just like that the season's over so if you think about it the season's almost over (laughs) basically that's kind of how it feels like once it starts at least it goes by so fast so it'll be here before we know it Well, especially we don't have the, all right, we're going to play one game and then we're not going to do anything for 10 days. And then we're going to play three games in a row and then we're (laughs) going to stop playing for another month. And then we're going to continue playing again and then have a normal schedule. There are actually games every single week, I believe, which last year's team could never.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It seems like assuming everything goes according to plan that. This schedule is going to be feel a little bit more balanced, a little bit more regular, um, kind of no, of none of those big gaps that it felt like we had
0: through most of the last season. And fingers crossed. I mean, I'm probably already ruining it by putting this thought in my head, but there was the. Was it like a month that COVID knocked him out for? Maybe it was only two weeks and it felt like it was a month because it was right around <laughs> Christmas time. But ideally, there's not going to be that weird delay either, because Nika, I think, missed something like a month and she only sat out three games. And I think Kristen missed like a week and she missed like four or something. I don't remember if those are the exact players and the times, but the fact that Nika missed so few games was hilarious considering the amount of time she missed.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I think it was right around Christmas. So it was like a time where there was already a little bit of a break and then the COVID just made it. I think they came back from Christmas with COVID. Not really that surprising. And then it was a much longer break. But yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, none of that this year. And that we get to just play a, a normal season.
0: Ideally. I mean, the season's already yep. not normal. Yeah, We lost normal <laughs> when Paige Beckers lost her ACL. True. <laughs> so that went out the window a while <laughs> ago. Anyways, yeah, that, very true. It's full on preseason right now because we've had Big East media day. We've had first night. Those are the two things that really seem to kick off the year, and both of those have already happened a week ago. So we're in that weird phase now where we know a little bit about the team, but we haven't actually seen them do anything. So everything that we try and talk about is just looking way too deep into a couple quotes here and there which is a personal favorite hobby of ours obviously
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'd be lying if i said i wasn't ready to start watching basketball because i feel like between this and her hoop stats i've given a lot of takes on random things that i'm running out of takes to give
0: (laughs) i am just when i'm writing stuff i'm like I, i don't actually even know if this is true like there's I haven't seen this with my own eyes. (laughs) We're taking everyone's word for this. And probably the prime example of that is Gino seems like he's happy with this team so far. He says, whenever he says something and tells them to do something, they do it immediately. No questions asked. They work really hard. They're really hungry. They're really competitive. He doesn't really feel like he page was giving him a hard time because she said that he was being easy on the team. And he said that basically he doesn't need to be hard because they're just doing what he says. And that's the kind of thing where I don't know if that's actually the case, if he knows the pressure that this team is under. So he doesn't want to, you know, add to that and make things even worse on them or, did they just have a really good day of practice? And he was feeling it that day. And then if you asked him the exact same questions the next day, he was going to say how they might not even make the NCAA tournament. So (laughs) I, my read is that he's probably honest about it because I don't remember him saying being that complimentary about teams in the past. So the truth probably lies a little in between there where, yeah, I can't imagine everything is perfect and he's just walking around with a smile on his face and he doesn't go sit in his office and try and figure out how things are going to work together this year. I don't think it's, you know, a level five disaster. You got to blow the whole thing up, shut down the program. It's not even worth going out there and playing because things are so bad. There's probably good days. The mentality's probably good. That part's probably true. But in the end, what matters is the basketball. And I don't know if Gino even really gave us a straight answer. He more talked just about, yeah, their mentality is really good. Their work ethic is really good. That could just be a way of hiding the fact that they actually suck at the basketball part.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll just, we'll know so much more once we've seen them on the court and how things look. But it's always hard to, it's a little bit hard to read Gino, especially at this time. In the year because he gives away what he feels like giving away. So it'll be interesting to see how it all looks. Him being positive is kind of weird though. But I mean, maybe after just the, the year that this team had last year, most things have to feel better too.
0: I mean, year that they're continuing to have. Aliyah Edwards has a broken yeah. nose because Nika ran her over. So it's not, not that that's going to keep her out of any games, but it's not like things are getting easier and it's like, oh man, we finally got this break no it... <laughs> true
1: though if there was any player that was going to give someone a broken nose my money definitely would have been on nika
0: <laughs> oh 100 the the pictures that they posted on twitter and instagram the other day uh what was it your favorite player's worst nightmare and there's just a photo of her sitting in the chair like throwing a <laughs> yeah. ball up and it absolutely looks like one of those state media type photos of like the dictator sitting in their throne if if I had to pick anyone on the UConn <laughs> team like of the players to run a country, I would pick Nika, and that country would be the most efficient in the world within like three weeks.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, she at first night came out, walked out to "I don't f with you." I don't know if we can swear on this. I don't, but that's what she walked out to, and I was
0: just like, "This is perfect Nika song." <laughs> the fact that she has loyalty loyalty tattooed on her neck, like. Just pure Nika. I don't think there's ever been yep. anyone like Nika, and there never will be anyone that's like her again. Yeah, exactly. But that that one photo, I mean, there were like three photos in it, but the one of her tossing the ball, it was just her entire essence captured in one person, <laughs> or in one photo, so. yeah, I don't think this team, this team's not going to be bad. And... I think Gino doesn't think this team is going to be that bad because whatever he's talking about anything, and maybe it's, he's asked specifically a question about her. Maybe he's asked just a general question. He goes to her, but I think it is very clear that Yukon is expecting easy FUD to be the player for this team and maybe not replace page, but fill that void of your go-to player. The one that, all right, you haven't scored in three minutes. The other team's making a run. They're within single digits. You got to go down and get a basket where Paige would score every single time. It seems like that's who they're counting on taking up that mantle. And I think AZ is going to be ready for it too, because as a freshman, we definitely did not see what she could do as a freshman. She had some really good moments and she played well, but I think people are vastly underestimating how good AZ FUD actually is. We're not talking about someone who's got good skill as a player and, you know, has potential. We're talking about someone who, if they're on top of their game right now and they're healthy, is arguably the most talented player in the country and could very easily compete for the national player of the year award. I don't think that is putting on high expectations for her. I don't think that is putting on unrealistic expectations I seriously think that if AZ just plays to her level and stays healthy, she's going to be one of the best players in the country. And UConn, I mean, obviously they'll miss Paige, but it won't be the way that they did last year where it seemed like every single game without her was a struggle. This team's going to figure it out and end up being a perfectly good national championship contender behind South Carolina because of Az FUD.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like you said, we're going to get to the polls. But I think that's what a lot of people are overlooking when they're looking at this team right now. And I mean, AZ was possibly more celebrated as a recruit coming in than Paige was, which is obviously saying a lot because we know how much like fanfare came in with Paige Beckers. So to have a recruit that, that was that highly touted, at times people when she was still in high school were saying she was even better than Paige. I don't think that's a realistic expectation, but Just she is clearly kind of has the potential to be at that level. And I think people are forgetting that and valuing this team as like the AD fund that we saw on the court in flashes last year. But I don't think we saw even the surface of what she can do. Last year, just because she was dealing with so many different injuries and really never was healthy. And you saw it in Sparts. I think the thing that like stands out is the end of that game that they lost to Villanova, where she did really kind of take over the game and almost got UConn back into it. Um, But I don't think we saw it often. And I think it's, we're going to have to see it often this year.
0: Yeah, I think it's letting her off the hook to completely say that injuries are the reason that she didn't necessarily get to that level as a freshman because gino did say a lot early in the year that she deferred too much and she didn't take the shots that she should have because she was too worried about you know stepping on an upperclassman's toes and that definitely faded throughout the year and into the ncaa tournament it probably wasn't even that visible but the injuries are something that we probably didn't get A good enough idea of how much it was limiting her and how much it affected her until she started talking about this offseason, where she said that she really wasn't able to play her own game and do what she wanted to do on the floor because of that foot. It limited her. And it kind of bears out in the stats. Almost half the shots she took were from the three-point line. And all we heard from Gino during the preseason was. Easy's not just a shooter. She's an all-around basketball player. And we got that in glimpses. And here and there, there were times that it would crop up. But for the most part, she was really just a shooter as a freshman. And that's the area of the game that I think we're going to see the biggest difference. Because she was an unbelievable shooter last year, over 50%. But if now she's more of a passer and she can drive. And she talked about her pull-up game was the favorite thing that she had in her arsenal during high school, but then she tore her ACL and then other things happened where she wasn't really able to stay up with that. That's something that she wants to get back this year. And if you've got someone who's got the skill to basically make any shot, she wants beyond the three point line, but can also drive by you and get to the rim, but also as a deadly pull-up jumper. That's where some of those things of, yeah, she's a generational talent start kicking in that's why she has the potential to be so good because as gino always said last year she could blow a game open at any moment with her three-point shooting so if that's just one arrow that she has and maybe there are some games where she doesn't even need to use it and yukon still wins by a lot and she still drops 30 that's why her potential is so high and her foot didn't allow her to show that last year and she says she's healthy she says she's feeling good I think we'll probably get a better idea of when we see that on the floor, but the way that Geno's talked about her stepping up and the potential to be the best player in the country, Morgan Valley said that when she's feeling good, there aren't many people that can stop her. That all seems to be pointing to the fact that she's healthy and they've been seeing that in the preseason.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then I think the other part of her game that gets overlooked a little bit is the defensive end as well. Like everything that you said on the offensive end is going to be so much of what UConn relies on, but she was also for a freshman, a very good defender last season. And assuming that's going to improve as well, she can really be that kind of two-way player that UConn needs to stand out on both ends of the floor. And I think that's going to be huge as you start looking to some of the the bigger matchups that they have in their non-conference schedule and the need to have someone that can really play on the defensive end against some of the top talent in the country as well.
0: Exactly, because when you look at the rest of the backcourt, you got Nika. Obviously, the defense is there with her. But Caroline Ducharme, shown flashes as a shot blocker, but as a pure on-ball defender, was not there as a freshman and she put a lot of work and a lot of effort into getting better as a defender but that doesn't necessarily mean the results were there immediately and I think the first time Gino talked about Lou he said that she was like a lot of their other guards where they don't necessarily excel on the defensive end so I wouldn't count on Lou being a shutdown defender and Enesh, if we're being honest I am not counting on her to do anything this year because you bring in a player that late who wasn't even supposed to come to a UConn level. That's a lot to ask for her to do anything. So just those four returning are those four veteran guards that we've talked about a lot. Nika's the only one who's a true defense first player. So they are going to need AZ to step up in that regard because I don't think the other two are necessarily going to be, you know, when they're playing the Louisvilles of the world, they're not playing Louisville. That's a bad example. But those teams that have the stud guard out there, if Nika's not on the floor, someone else is gonna have to guard him, and that's probably gonna be AZ. So I do think AZ's defense is gonna be something that maybe doesn't get talked about a ton just because of the scoring that Yukon has to replicate, but is still gonna be a pretty heavy factor in how this team does.
1: Yeah, and some some of those players, Rory Harbin in Texas in like a week or after the season starts, you've got uh, Olivia Miles at Notre Dame. You're going to have... um am blanking. I had someone else in my head that I'm blanking on, But anyway, <laughs> uh, a lot of those kind of... Oh, Caitlin Clark, when they play Iowa. The, the like, most obvious ones. <laughs> so plenty of stud guards that they're going to have to play.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a question mark with this team that probably hasn't been talked about enough from, I mean, us, anyone... And it would be really interesting to hear what Gino has to say. But in terms of offense with AZ, I think it helps that this isn't going to be like the start of last year or Paige's freshman year where one player was counted on to contribute so much offensively. If Caroline Ducharme's healthy, she's going to score a lot of points for this team. By all counts, Lou looks really good offensively, so she should be a really good contributor contributor on offense supposedly they look really good shooting the ball, the whole team, and Aubrey Griffin's even a shooter now. So I don't think offense is going to be a huge problem from this team, especially once we get later into the season and the rotations start to mesh and the players gel and get settled into their roles. Because early on, yeah, I think anytime you're losing, not just Paige, but Kristen Williams scored the most points on the team last season. And whatever you want to say about how she played or anything like that, She still had the most points on the team, and that's still something that you need to replace. Avina obviously chipped in with the points there, and that's just talking about the front court. So those are still points that you need to replace, and we saw at times that Caroline can do it. We saw at times that AZ could do it. Obviously, it didn't happen at UConn, but Lou lopez Seneschal, she carried the load plenty at Fairfield, so it might just take some time for the players to figure out how they're going to get the ball in the basket and how to work to do that. But I still think it's going to happen because there's just too much talent in that backcourt, even without Paige, to make it all work.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's very true. There's a lot of players that are capable of scoring a lot of points in that group. And like you said, even Aubrey can shoot. Now, you can't take really anything from first night, but I was very pleasantly surprised to see her come out, participate in the three-point contest and hit over – half of her threes i think that i don't know that how much that's going to translate to in the game but she definitely looked good from a shooting perspective in a way that we
0: haven't seen before that's not something that's just cropped up out of nowhere either i remember way back like june i think it was it might have even have been may 2021 so two summers ago gino was talking about how she was He was trying to get Aubrey to shoot the ball more because he knew there was a capable shooter in there. She was just too scared of missing. So in the past, she would, or I mean, just the situation that they had, if she shot the ball and missed, she'd probably end up getting pulled because it was a bad shot. Whereas that offseason, he was trying to get it in her head that if she had an open shot and she didn't take it, that's what he was going to bench her for. So he wanted her to get the idea in her head that when she had an open shot to shoot at, So the fact that she participated in the three-point contest during first night was absolutely noteworthy. But it wasn't the first time that we've heard about Aubrey being a shooter. And that's something that I think could really open up her game because we've seen, it's been a while since we've seen it, but we've seen how good she is at getting to the basket. But even if it's old film, teams are going to know that unless she starts hurting you with her shot, You can just sag off her and worry about defending her on the drive because she's not going to pull up. She's not going to shoot. If she does add that shot, that's going to force teams to guard her out further. That's going to make it easier for her to get inside and get to the basket. And again, makes you kind of more dangerous team. So I'm interested. I asked, I think, Caroline about it. And Caroline said, yeah, no, Aubrey's a really good shooter. When she's open, she hits it. I am interested to see if that's something that plays out once we start getting games or if that's something that happened in the secret scrimmage. We still don't know anything about that or if just Gino's seen more of it in practice. But it is something to keep an eye on. Really one of the few valuable things that came out of first night. <laughs> yeah, you don't get much out of it, but that was one. Wasn't suppress. surprise. <laughs> well, speaking of first night, Gino did actually have a pretty interesting quote earlier before first night, that it's a matter of when, not if UConn's going to win a national championship. He is fully confident that eventually UConn is going to get back to the top. He's just not totally sure when it's going to be, and he would like it to be sooner. So the exact quote, quote, we're going to win another one. It's just a matter of when. I don't know when that is, but we're going to win another one. Sooner rather than later would be good for me. That I feel like is pretty noteworthy because... I don't think anyone is going to be picking this team to win the national championship. Even next year, yeah, you got Paige coming back. There's still a lot of question marks. Obviously, you don't have the terror that is Aaliyah Boston in South Carolina hounding you as much once she's off to the WNBA, assuming she goes off to the WNBA and doesn't use her fifth year, which I think is a pretty safe bet. I mean, you start looking after that, and it's not like things are all that clear. That's putting a lot of stock into either the freshmen or future commits or transfers. So the fact that he's so confident, even though they've come up a short six years in a row now, that's not something that we've heard from him in the last six years. And maybe cause he just doesn't feel like he's needed to say it, but in a weird way, they haven't been that close recently. So the fact that he thinks they're going to get over that hump and over the top that's pretty noteworthy to me and I'm interested if he in his head knows like I think it's actually going to be next year but I'm just not going to say that out loud
1: yeah I mean I think the the thought that it would be next year assuming that Paige and AZ are both healthy is is fairly like a fair way to think about it it seems like pretty likely that if they were going to win another one soon it would probably be next year
0: yeah that that is the easy one I mean not only those two, but Caroline's a year older. And, right. I mean, we don't... People have listened to the show before. No, we don't need to talk more about how good Caroline is and could be. You lose Lou, but you add in Ashland Shade and KK Arnold. And I haven't seen Ashland play, so me saying this is not a knock on her. But I think K.K. is going to be an um, impact player right away. She's really, really good. So I think the backcourt's going to be you know, deeper and more solid in a different way than it'll be this year. Then, yeah, you lose Dorka in the front court, but you've got senior Leah Edwards. and Ayana will be sophomores. Aubrey should be back, pres- presumably for a fifth year. I don't really know what to make of Amari, just she's still a question mark, so I don't want to say that she's definitely going to contribute to that team. But there's, on paper... Two years out, there aren't a lot of holes on that team. So, and you take out the biggest competition in Aaliyah Boston and suddenly that path looks a lot better, but it is just noteworthy to hear him say it because last year, if Dorka's healthy, does that championship game go differently? I think it might. I don't know how much it goes differently. If they didn't all get sick before the game, maybe it goes differently. It was still a pretty hefty margin. And I think South Carolina still very easily could have beaten them in a five, six point game. The year before, they were never beating Stanford if they got past Arizona. I don't think they had any shot in that one. That Arizona or that Stanford team was really good. Then I mean COVID canceled the year before, but they certainly weren't winning the national championship that year. (laughs) The year the second time they lost to Notre Dame, I don't know if they were getting by Baylor. So, you talk about those two years immediately after Stewie and them graduated. Both of those probably should have been championships. But after that, I think UConn would have either needed some luck or a break to go their way, or it would have taken a lot for them to have pulled off a championship if they didn't lose. I think what I'm saying makes sense and people understand what I'm saying, right? Like, it's not yeah, like they were, yeah. oh man. Sense. Yeah, like the, the buzzer beaters. Oh man, one more play changes that game and they win a national championship either of those years, no doubt in my mind. These past <laughs> four years, you're talking about a lot of things need to happen to go their way in order for them to win it. So, yeah.
1: I think so. Like the last few years, that they haven't been the clear flavor, clear favorites to win a title. I Assuming things go the way we expect next year, they probably will be, so... I think that that kind of makes sense
0: that he expects that it's
1: it's going to happen soon.
0: Also, we've seen what Paige can do when she's on her game. Yeah, I think that she's not going <laughs> to have a vengeance to just go scorched earth on everyone. She's going to average a like triple triple of points and assists that season. She's going <laughs> to average like 30 points a game and 15 assists a game and is not going to l- go to the bench when Gino says she has to come out. There's just, it's not going to happen. She (laughs) is going to want to dominate and have one of those undefeated national championship seasons. And I mean, who knows how this season goes to what AZ's mindset might be, but just, I think we're going to see a level from Paige when she's back, assuming she's healthy, where if something does happen, then They need to have an exorcism of gamble or something, or of worth. But (laughs) let's not go there yet. Yeah. She's gonna be ready to ready to avenge the first three years of her career. Oh yeah. I can't wait. But this year first. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the whole this season, minor details there. I am excited (laughs) for the season. I'm just Yeah. It's it's just hard it, to get in that mindset when there's nothing that's happened yet in front of us. Yeah, exactly.
1: I and I am also, excited to see what they do this season, but it is it is hard. A little bit hard But it's like that like that Paige and AZ together finally is, is looming in the next year or two. <laughs> well,
0: and also we don't even really know when are we even going to actually have a good sense of what this team might look like? Because I'm lumping in Northeastern with an exhibition because sorry, Northeastern you're Northeastern
1: <laughs>
0: that that's not going to give you a great sense of how good this team might be. And then they immediately play number three, Texas who is really good defensively because Vic Schaefer's their coach. I don't know if that's really a great I mean, if they win that game, that
1: game... Then... Yeah, I actually think either way that game's gonna be a pretty good barometer because I think Texas is going to be very good, but they also have some new pieces, lost some pieces. So I, I do think that game's probably a good barometer. I think a lot of like the top of the country right now, there's just so many question marks everywhere. Um so I, I do think either way that game will give us a
0: sense of, of a little bit of where this team's at. I just think it's one of those things where it's so, it's not like this is a fourth or fifth game. It's really their first real opponent. And it's that good of a team with essentially three games. If you count the secret scrimmage under their belt, if they blow out Texas, then it might be okay. Texas isn't as good as we thought they might be. If Texas beats them easily, it's all right. Well, UConn hasn't had the time to get ready yet. If it's a close game, I mean, it depends on how the game goes. So I don't know. I just think yeah. maybe that Duke game That's fair. out at PK-80 or the Iowa game, which we'll get to, might be a better idea of what this team looks like in terms of ceiling and floor. But it's just such a gauntlet in those first couple of games and like really all of non-conference play. But especially those that I think it'll just, I don't know, I'm not super confident that those games will tell us a ton.
1: Yeah, maybe really. It's like the Notre Dame game, which is December 4th, because like you said, that's kind of that gauntlet with Texas at the start. Then they play NC State, which I, I don't know how I feel about NC State. So I don't know how good that game is or isn't. We're going to get to my thoughts on Iowa momentarily, (laughs) so I will save those. But I don't know how much we're learning from that Iowa game. (laughs) So really, maybe it is like Notre Dame is a team I think that returns enough that we're going to and it'll have enough games under their belt. But that game
0: should kind of be like, all right, this is where this team's at. Well, speaking of the AP poll, we'll get to that in a second. Before we get there, whether you've been listening for a while or you're a new listener joining on this season, We have our own podcast feed, finally. We were on the Yukon Blogs feed for a while. We're just obviously still with the Yukon Blog, but just have our own Chasing Perfection feed. So if you want to subscribe there and you're listening on the Yukon Blog feed, the link will be in the show notes. We're on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Eventually, we're not going to be cross-posting to the Yukon Blog, so be sure to subscribe over to our own feed to make sure that you get the podcast all season long in a similar vein. Chasing perfection is hosted slash sponsored by, I don't know what the right word is, but made possible by the Yukon women's basketball weekly, which is our premium page for Yukon women's basketball coverage. You can get it directly in your email, or you can view it as a website. We have analysis breakdowns, stories, all these types of things that you can't get anywhere else with your UConn coverage. So that'll also be in the show notes description by subscribing. You are directly helping the podcast stay alive because it is allowing me to have a full-time job covering UConn women's basketball. It allows Megan to cover UConn women's basketball for us. You can subscribe there for $70 for the year or six bucks for the month, or you can gift a subscription to a friend, family member, Anyone that you know that you think would like top tier UConn Women's Basketball coverage. So be sure to subscribe to our feed. Jo- become a member of the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. I am jumping in post production on Wednesday night. We recorded on Tuesday night. Today, UConn Women's Basketball announced that freshman Ice Brady is going to be out for the year after dislocating the patella in her right knee. Another injury blow. Obviously, with the timing, we didn't get a chance to talk about it on this podcast, but we will have a more in-depth discussion when we record next week. So the AP poll came out last week, the preseason AP poll. UConn came in at number six. They're behind South Carolina, Stanford, Texas, Iowa, and Tennessee. Louisville, Iowa State, State. Notre Dame, NC State filled out the top ten. We now enter a new segment that we call <laughs> I I actually didn't think of why name. Iowa is bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Megan, the yeah. floor is yeah. yours. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've literally been like waiting to talk about this on this podcast And I think I was literally in London in a pub and ESPN put out their way too early rankings and Iowa was ahead of UConn and I literally started laughing out loud. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be referring to UConn as top five team until there is five teams not named Iowa above them because there's just no way this Iowa team is a top five team. I like I don't mean any disrespect to Caitlin Clark. She's so much fun to watch. Monica Sonano, fun to watch, but you can't be a top five team and not play defense. <laughs> I feel like that's really all you have to say about it. They were like 99th in the hoop defensive rating, allowed over 70 points per game last season. That I, I could go on, but I can I'll keep it short. And that just there's just no way the Iowa team is a top five, even a top ten team in my opinion. So for all purposes on this show. UConn's top five team. They didn't even get to the Sweet 16. No. They lost to Creighton at home in the second round of the tournament last year. And, like, I think everyone thought that was a fluke. I don't think that was a fluke. I think that was a good Creighton team, so that was part of it. But also, like, Iowa, you you aren't going to win in March if you don't play defense. Unless, I guess, you're playing in the Big Ten tournament when no one plays defense, so, well, there you go. But... (laughs) Yeah, I just, very, the Big Ten is overrated in general, in my opinion, but (laughs) we
0: can go into that more later. Well, if they weren't one of the top 16 teams last year, what have they done to be so substantially better this year to not only be in the top 16, not only be in the top 10, but be in the top five? Yes, Caitlin Clark, Monica Sinano, both really good players. This is not a knock on either of them. They've got some good secondary pieces, but as you said, defense non-existent. And if teams just throw everything at those two players to shut them down, do they have the auxiliary pieces that can step up and score enough to make up for not only the bad defense, but a slow night from Caitlin Clark and Sinano? I just, if you look at the two rosters, UConn and Iowa, I think right now, as things stand as we know them, you can say comfortably that Caitlin Clark and Monica Sinano are both better than anyone that UConn has. I think by the time UConn gets out to PK 85, AZ FUD might be uh, having something to say about that in terms of being on par with Caitlin Clark. Maybe Aliyah Edwards or Dorka Uhas are pushing into that conversation with Sinano, but. Caroline Ducharme is comfortably better than every single other player on Iowa. I would say that whichever one of Dorka and Aliyah isn't the top big, the other one is probably better than anyone that Iowa has. And, you know, maybe once you start getting to Lou Lopez Seneschal and the freshman bigs and Aubrey Griffin, it becomes closer to a watch, a wash. But in terms of a pure talent base, UConn feels like it is miles better than Iowa and is a much more balanced team because all preseason, all season, you're going to hear how, yeah, oh, Caitlin Clark and Monica Sonano are both really good, but oh, you, you got to watch out for this player or that player. They're, they're sneaky good this year. They're, they're going to feed off all the attention that these two players get. And then a team like UConn is going to play them. And those players are going to have seven points on a three of 25 shooting night because UConn's just that much better than them. And assuming these two teams face in PK 85, actually, Megan, I'll give you this prediction first because you've been the one that's hammering this. So if they beat PK 85, what's going to happen?
1: Yeah. UConn's going to win the game by double figures, maybe by 20. I like, I'm just not high at all on the Iowa team. Especially, I guess the one thing that leaves a question mark is does UConn have the defense to shut down Caitlin Clark? But I think you double her because there's you can afford to slack off other players. So if you double her with like Nika and AZ, yeah, I don't think that, that I was coming within
0: 15. And I think, I mean. Again, we haven't seen UConn play. So maybe this year's UConn team is really good defensively. But on paper, I would say that UConn is a worse team defensively now, at least in the backcourt, as they were when they last played Iowa. And in that game, Caitlin Clark had 21 points, but she needed a 7-of-21 performance from the field Mm -hmm. and 4-of-12 from behind in the line with five turnovers to make that happen. If she has the exact same line in this game that we assume happens out in Portland. Like you said, that's going to be a comfortable double digit, maybe even 20 point victory for UConn.
1: Yeah. I think the Iowa craze will die quickly though. Like I think this, so by like mid December, Iowa has to play Belmont. They have to play most likely UConn. They play NC state and have to play Iowa state. I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop three of those games. And then I think they will fall out of the top 10 and
0: to where they belong quickly. Yeah. And when you're a team that's led by one star in particular, but I still think Sonano is pretty good. When you have two really good players, that can take you a really long way. That makes you one of the better teams in the country. But top five is just really pushing it. Really pushing it. Yeah. And I do also understand the question marks about UConn because not only (laughs) you lose your best player, you lose three seniors who, again, whatever you want to say about them produced and contributed a lot last year that you're still going to have to figure out how to work without that production. And you've got a lot of options, but a lot of unproven options. So I understand the question marks with UConn. I think this is more of Iowa is just not as good as people saying they are as UConn's a better team than Iowa, even though I think both can be true.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's more of a, I don't understand where people, a lot of people voted Iowa as the number three team in the country in the AP poll. And I just, I cannot wrap my head around where that comes from.
0: If everyone in the country was healthy, Caitlin Clark wouldn't even, would probably be the third best player in the country. So there's no way they have the third best team (laughs) in the country. Yeah. (laughs) exactly (laughs) she'd be behind i mean she's definitely behind alia boston she'd also be behind Paige if she was healthy and i stand on my statement that az is going to be better than her by the end of the season this is the az i would agree with that as well this is the start of the az hype train by the way just this is where you heard it first (laughs) az fudd is going to be a national player of the year contender she's going to be an all-american she is going to be the player that we were told she was going to be this season. Yep.
1: And the South Carolina fans are going to be insufferable.
0: (laughs) So it'll be a normal season then. Yep. (laughs) Basically. Speaking of which South Carolina, very easy number one, even though they do have some question marks.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think there's just, no questions about that being the top team in the country until someone beats them and shows otherwise. At this point, they are as very clearly front runners. I think maybe people are interpreting it as a, they're a little bit more of the in their own league than they are. I think they have some pretty large questions at the point guard position, and I th- think that's maybe getting kind of swept under the rug a little bit. Don Staley at media day. Lastly, talked a lot about Zia Cook playing point guard. Maybe we haven't seen it yet, so maybe it will work, but I definitely have some questions about that. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they uh, re- kind of recover from the loss of Destiny Henderson and, and what that backcourt is going to look like. It's a backcourt that had questions a lot of the time last season, even with Henderson, and Henderson really stepped up and, I mean, it was a huge part of why
0: they won the national championship. But those questions are definitely going to be back season probably the well outside of iowa the i don't even know if i have a huge gripe with it but stanford being number two you know you got cameron brink back you got Haley jones back those are two really big names to have they still have a very solid team but they still don't have a point guard and They they don't seem to be addressing this problem. That was a major problem for them (laughs) last season, and that's kind of the problem I have with Stanford being number two. Is you're missing the most important position on the floor. It's not like you have a weak player at that position. You actually don't have someone that can do that, which is probably yeah.
1: That's a big question mark. Yeah, huge question mark for this team. Like it was last year. They really never figured it out last year. To be honest, um. I do think, though, like having Haley Jones and Cameron Brink justifies being at number two right now, just because I think there's so many questions and kind of all of these teams that I do think just looking at kind of on a talent and returning standpoint, they belong at number two and are probably a clear number two at this point. I think there's kind of a like, even though I said South Carolina has questions, they're clear number one. And to me, Stanford's still clear number two and then it gets messy
0: yeah, despite what I just said, I still kind of agree with that. <laughs> it's just I think it I think that says more about the questions that everyone else has than Stanford, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I
1: think that's I would agree with that. I don't think it's that Stanford is this like juggernaut that no one can be. I think it's just once you get past Stanford, the number of questions
0: increases even more. Also, who knows? Maybe Stanford is only allowed to win national championships every thirty years and now they're bound to just continually <laughs> lose in the Final Four national championship game the way they did for the thirty years between their championships. Yeah.
1: Who knows? I mean they do have, I guess, the number one recruit too, right? But that's yeah, also on the front Betts, court. So, so still.
0: Yeah. Right. Congrats. You have uh you have the Sequoia Forest of height in your front court. You have no one that can get them the ball currently. Yeah. Unless one of their yeah. freshmen from last year steps up and becomes a real impact player in a way that wasn't expected. But I haven't seen anything about that yet. And I feel like that would have come out. point. Yeah.
1: Hour. I'm very interested to see what they do there. I think, I mean, Haley Jones is a player that can handle the ball, but it's just not, I think, the best solution. Hannah Jump he used to be a point guard in high school. She has never really played that role at Stanford, but I mean, that is senior, at least, someone with some experience, so maybe they go there. It'll be very interesting to
0: see, kind of once we see them on the floor, what they look like at that position. There's a couple of teams that I'm looking at that I think might be a little underranked. I think... Louisville should be higher than they are because especially in recent years, Jeff Walls just seems to have something going down where every single year, regardless of who is on his team, he has firmly the fourth best team in the nation. Not five, <laughs> not three, number four. They will get to the final four and they will lose in pretty comfortable fashion there. That seems to be exactly where Jeff Walls has his program right now.
1: Yeah, I like Louisville. Another team, just so many questions. I don't know that I like totally disagree with where they are. Than that, like Iowa should probably be below them because I just think they'll be better than Iowa. Um, but they lost Emily Angsler. I think that was such a big part of what made that team successful last year. Um, and they lost their point guard to Kiana Smith. Um, is that I think that's her name? No, I'm questioning myself. Is or is that the old Stanford point guard? Yeah, Keanu Smith, I guess, correct. Um, so they've definitely got some some new pieces coming in. I think a lot of this team is hinging on, like, how good Haley Van Lith is this season, which, if she kind of rises and becomes kind of at that All-American level, I think this is a really good team. If she doesn't,
0: I I don't really know where this team sits. I think the way we've kind of talked about other teams, they have a really good head coach who knows how to mm-hmm. coach a good team and they've got a star player, and that's in a sea of question marks. That is more stability than a lot of other teams have. Yes. Agreed. Another team that I think is way too low. I'm surprised. I I mean, they're still in the top 10, so it's not like they're really (laughs) low, but I feel like people are underrating Notre Dame a little bit, and maybe I'm looking too far into that tournament run, but Olivia Miles is for real, and I think what Neil Ivey's doing there is legit. I don't know if they're going to be in that tier of elite elite teams, but I think this is going to be a team that can do some damage and should probably be in the same tier as Louisville and probably Yukon for now.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think, this Notre Dame team is going to be very good. The other team i kind of throw in that group and also from the ACC, the top of the ACC is just stacked right now, is Virginia Tech, which is actually my pick to win the ACC. But I think Notre Dame could be right there with them. I actually think that both of those teams, talent-wise, could be better than Louisville this year. But I do think there's that, you know, Jeff Walls as your your head coach factor. that. Might make Louisville the best team anyway, but I think those three teams, kind of at the top of the ACC, competing for that ACC title and gonna be among the top tier this season.
0: ACC is gonna be really fun this year. Yeah, I mean, you throw you. We're not in that like we haven't too. really talked
1: about. Yeah, yeah, and NC State too. I think ten is too high for NC State with what they lost, but still a team that's gonna be top 20 team for sure i think so yeah the top of the
0: acc is absolutely stacked is i'm throwing you on the spot here but is that the conference you're most excited to watch because in my uh, very expert opinion that i formed about 10 seconds ago i think this is the conference i'm most <laughs> excited to watch
1: yeah i think the like top of the acc is going to be like a bloodbath so i think it's probably the one i'm most excited to watch I'll throw the SEC in there too because I think the like South Carolina Tennessee battle for who wins the regular season is going to be very interesting. They only play each other once. The SEC is also just always pretty good top to bottom. So if you have an off night, someone can upset you. We saw that with South Carolina and with uh Tennessee a couple times last year. So I think in terms of like who wins the regular season, that's also going to be super interesting.
0: Just speaking of the SEC, it feels important to throw this out that LSU, who is ranked 16 and coached by noted bad person Kim Mulkey, <laughs> had fewer SEC tournament wins last year than Vanderbilt, who was coached by notable great person Shay Ralph. Yes.
1: I also, like, I think LSU is going to be good, but I don't even want to talk about them because I just, like, don't want to give Kim Mulkey credit for anything. So I've just been actively avoiding discussing the fact that they have Angel Reese and
0: should be good. <laughs> Yeah, no. Kimolki sucks. Always has. Much more apparent recently. But always will.
1: Yeah. I guess on the theme of conferences that I am also excited to watch, I think Stanford is going to run away with the Pac-12, but I'm interested to kind of see who that like number two team is. Is it Arizona? Is it Oregon? Is it UCLA? Maybe this is the year that UCLA is finally as good as I think they will be. I've been avoiding (laughs) giving any takes on UCLA because I'm just like, I feel like I'm jinxing them at this point, (laughs) but they they snuck in there. They got some votes in the AP poll. So, so we'll see.
0: Well, if nothing else, the ACC is going to be the most interesting league to watch because it's like one of the most easily accessible. I mean, yes, <laughs> it's again, very easy to watch the ACC. <laughs> the Pac-12. Some of these games are only broadcast on the moon, so it's a little tougher to watch yeah. those.
1: I am less than pleased about the amount of money I pay in order to have the Pac-12 network. The Big East, the same thing can be said for the Big East, though, because, like, I refuse to pay for Flow Sports because it's a horrible product. But I, like, might have to do it just to be able to watch more of Nova and Korean.
0: It's so annoying. I, I kind of understand why, because what's... What's the alternative? There's really, in the college sports world, either ESPN+, and since the Big East is Fox, that's out of the question, and Flow Sports. So unless they ended up on Stadium or... I don't even think Paramount has college sports. So it just sucks that that's really the only option for the Big East, as terrible as it is, and as terrible as everyone knows that it is. Apparently first night went, went off without a hitch this week, or this year, as opposed to last year, in terms of streaming.
1: A step in the right direction. We'll see how Thanksgiving goes. And we'll decide. I always pay for it for November, because like, all the big Thanksgiving tournament games are on it, and you cannot watch those. So I will pay for it for one month, and we'll see how those go. And I'll determine if I'm actually going to pay for it for the rest of the Big East season.
0: I mean some of those games down in atlantis or the caribbean is basically like watching Z- the zapruder tapes except with worse lighting yeah.
1: yeah it's so bad and the people calling them like don't even know who's on which team i'm like i didn't know nothing about broadcasting a basketball game that could probably at least name the players on each team correctly if anyone yeah. wants to send me to the bahamas i'd gladly go <laughs> and call the games <laughs>
0: I think that's what drives me most about drives me most nuts about bad announcing is all right. You want to be annoying or like have bad calls, like whatever. I I kind of tune it out. If you're actively pronouncing the names wrong, that just shows you didn't do your job. You didn't put any preparation yeah. into this. It is. Yes. Yeah, some names are very difficult. When we did our preview of the Syracuse game in the round of 32, Back during the 2022 NCAA tournament, I had to practice whatever that Syracuse player's name (laughs) was for at least like two minutes, like constantly before we went on the air. And then I think I still screwed it up like three times. So I understand that some names are hard, but there are pronunciation guides online. There are the teams put them out. When you're broadcasting a game, you can literally walk up to the player, ask them how to pronounce their name, and get it firsthand. That's what drives me nuts. Just do your job. I have a lot of respect for broadcasters. But when you're not putting in the basic time to figure out how to say a name, that's when it really drives me nuts. Like, There's plenty of color announcers that have no idea what they're talking about, even though they played or coached basketball. Or whatever criticism you want to have. Pronounce the names right, and I don't really care what you do
1: yeah exactly pronounce the names right name say the right players names when things happen that's the, that's really my only well i have other complaints of course but like i can tune that stuff out it's just like the, the pronunciation and like the not really knowing who's on what team bothers me <laughs> to no end
0: just to kind of go back to something you said a little while ago trying to watch the big east is going to be tough because the Big East is actually a pretty interesting conference this year. UConn's at the top, and UConn will win the conference, probably undefeated. They won't have any issues winning both the titles. But behind them is a pretty solid group. You got Creighton, who's 21, coming off an Elite Eight appearance. Villanova, DePaul, both received votes. Seton Hall, Marquette, always kind of... Going to be tough to play against, but specifically those three teams that we named Creighton, Villanova, and DePaul. That's a really solid core behind UConn in a way that I don't think the American ever had. Yeah, there was South Carolina, or not South Carolina, South Florida, and occasionally UCF at the end, but I think the floor is a lot higher this season in the Big East than it's been in any of UConn's conferences since the breakup of the old one in 2013.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, UConn's going to win it. But the battle for that second spot is going to be really interesting. And really that two, three, four, five is going to be super interesting. We've got Creighton ranked already. I think getting the respect that they deserve after what they did in the NCAA tournament last year. Villanova getting votes, I feel pretty strongly that they should be ranked. I think they will make their way into the top 25. DePaul brings back Anissa Morrow. We'll see kind of where they're at this year. They lost a lot, but always a team that's really good or always kind of in that top 25 territory no matter what. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them get in there. And then I'll throw Seton Hall in that group as well. I think a team that struggled early on last season, but – they did make it to the semifinals of the WNIT. They bring back Lauren Parklane. I think a team that might surprise some people this year as well. Um, so really those four teams, I think, are going to be teams that might not necessarily beat UConn, but are at least going to challenge UConn a little bit during the conference season.
0: I think the interesting thing with the Big East is it's very apparent which programs are intent on at least trying to be good and which programs are just happy to sit there and make sure their players graduate because I don't feel like calling any coaches out in particular because I've never met them and I don't feel like being mean right now, (laughs) but you know, there's a certain school East of Yukon that very clearly (laughs) does not care about being competitive in women's basketball or a certain one around the nation's capital that (laughs) not particularly competitive St. John's. I know I just said I wasn't going to name names, but come on, at least try, at least pretend like you're trying, at least show some progress year over year. Don't just be in the basement every single year. I mean, I always get these two schools mixed up. I think it's Butler hired the IUPUI coach, not Xavier, right? I think so. I, for the life of me, cannot keep those two schools straight. (laughs) they're both Midwest schools that have a very similar color scheme. And it's not like the men's side where one team lost to UConn in a national championship. There's, (laughs) it's very hard in my head to distinguish the difference, especially when both have been so bad recently. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I agree. I think that's really the next step for this conference is making the bottom better. I think that's what's holding it back from being respected just as much as the a big 10 or another kind of power conference is the bottom it needs to catch up a little bit. I think at the top it's getting there. I like set this on her hoop stats podcast and people probably think I'm crazy, but like, I think the top of the big East is comparable, if not better than the top of the big 10 this year. I like I'm not that high in the big 10 teams. There's a lot of missing pieces and things. There a lot of people that transferred out. Don't think the big Ten's going to be that great. And I think the Big East with where Creighton's at, where Villanova's at, where DePaul could be at, even where Seton Hall could be at, can kind of compete top five versus top five with the Big Ten. But I think when you go beyond that, that's where you get into the like, well, yeah, the Big Ten's still going to be the better conference overall because the floor is just higher.
0: I think a big thing with the Big East, especially this season, is it's actually got some pretty impressive star power. Even take UConn out of the yeah. equation, but Maddie Segris is really good. I think Maddie Segris is going to – has she been an All-American or has she been just on the outside of that?
1: She's. I think she was a third team last year, so she was an All-American last year. I think she'll be there again. Anissa Morrow just got named to the AP all, preseason first team All-American today. So, yeah, two, both of them, like
0: huge stars coming into the season. Then even a star within the league, Lauren Park Lane. She's been really yeah. good for a few years now in the Big East, and it's all going to be on her shoulders in the at Seton Hall this year as opposed to last year where she could split it a little bit with Andre Espinoza hunter But it's just, again, something that the American didn't really have. USF would have really good teams without necessarily having a standout player outside of maybe Kitty Alaxa, who still has nightmares about Kia Nurse, but <laughs> that's just such a big difference that we haven't seen. And yeah, that the bottom does need to raise in this conference to be more comparable just to the way it is with the men where it's, Six power conferences because of the Big East. I don't think the Big East deserves to be called a power conference on the women's side, but I don't think it's quite in the same range as being a mid-major either. If there's some tier between those two, the Big East is probably the only one there. You gotta get the bottom up, but you also, I think, need another major contender because... You got to have teams getting at least to the Elite Eight on a consistent basis. You can't just have Creighton make one run out of nowhere and do it. You can't have DePaul getting just waxed in the play in round. If yeah. someone else emerges, and my money is on Villanova because I think Denise Dillon mm-hmm. is a fantastic head coach. But if you just get one team that can consistently be a top 25 team that occasionally pushes top 10, maybe makes a final four or at least gets to a couple of elite eights and has some nice upsets here and there, that would be really good. Cause even the best years of DePaul's runs with Doug Bruno, it almost feels like they're doing it in a gimmicky way that isn't super sustainable. Whereas if you can just have a team who's a legitimately good basketball team that I think takes them to another level too.
1: Yeah. I, I agree that my money would be on Villanova, but I'm also just excited to see kind of what Creighton can do this year and that they're going to have that national attention a little bit and maybe that helps them climb. Because I think Creighton was a good basketball team last year. They just didn't really get any credit for it until they won those games in the tournament. And as much as I think people kind of saw that as like a fluke, I think, yeah, some of it was like some luck. But I think like when you looked at how they stacked up with an Iowa and even – I was more surprised by the Iowa state one, but they were a good team and they had the potential to, to beat people. I think you could see that in the way that they played UConn during the year as well. Um, but I think those two teams kind of will bring it. And then I think just keeping to having the star power too, that you're going to have at least two all Americans this year, not on UConn that are going to come from the big East, I think is huge. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we talked a little bit about Lauren Parklane as well, but that's a player that's on the you know top 20 watch list for the point guard of the year. So you're going to start seeing hopefully more of that
0: type of talent coming in through the Big East. Yeah, and then there's bound to be a breakout star on another team in there, too. I don't think this entire conference yeah. season is going to go by without, you know, I I truly don't know the rosters of the other teams, but someone on Providence standing out or someone on Marquette standing. I mean, I think Marquette's going to have a down year, but I still like the trajectory of their program and their potential for the future to maybe if Villanova moves up to be more of an elite team. I like Marquette's ability to move up to kind of where Villanova is as a solid fringe top 25 team every season. So. It's just nice being interested about what's happening in the conference instead of it being, all right, we get to the end of non-conference play, and then you just wait until those January and February non-conference games to give you a break from the 40 and 50-point blowouts.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's exciting to kind of have conference games that you're circling as, oh, that should be a good game. And, And hopefully as it kind of continues, it'll become more of those as well.
0: I'm actually now really excited for the season. I can't wait to yeah. <laughs> see how this starts to unfold because it feels a little bit like last year where most teams have question marks and last year it never really felt like, or most of the question marks or concerns that we had of teams ended up coming true or you know they just got so injured that they didn't matter in UConn's case. But it should be a fun season that starts in a couple of weeks it's coming up on us so last thing to hit on megan what is your review of taylor swift's new album midnights
1: it is not my favorite taylor swift album but i do it's different i like it it has some jams on it so i'm happy and now just waiting for the tour announcement
0: (laughs) yeah i i feel the same way it's good there's songs that are starting to get stuck in my head which is how i know that i'm starting to like songs or an album i still think some of her all-time bops are just unmatched compared to this album but like you i'm excited for the tour so this is my first real taylor swift album as a big taylor swift fan so exciting times (laughs) over here
1: I've been doing this for far too long. <laughs> been a fan since like middle school, so that just makes me feel old. But anyways. <laughs> Imagine how she feels then. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I only think she's like a year or two older than me. I don't think she's that much older than me. She's <laughs> oh, like wow. no, she's more than a year or two, but she's like maybe four years older than me. I think she's like thirty two.
0: Nineteen eighty nine, right?
1: Oh, is so, that her birth year?
0: That would oh, yeah, be my guess. yeah, guess.
1: So, yeah, she's... Th- yeah, you are correct. She's 32. I'm 28, so she's she's not that much older than me.
0: Otherwise, I would be confused as to why she picked some random year for a name of one of her Yeah,
1: albums. that makes a lot of sense. I don't know
0: why I never thought of that, but anyway. <laughs> it only dawned on me somewhat recently, so... <laughs> but, yes, I'm... Um... That tour is going to be insane, because it's been a while since she's toured, right? I mean, COVID. Yeah, it was, yeah.
1: The last time she toured, I think, was like Reputation. So there's been four
0: albums since she toured. That's going to be like a three-hour long show. It's going to be nuts. I can't wait.
1: I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert, so I
0: really need to make it to one. Yeah. You definitely do. You of all people definitely need to do. (laughs) On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. What is this? Season number three? Yeah. Season number three of Chasing Perfection. Back on a consistent basis. Hopefully. I don't want to actually make any promises, but (laughs) we will talk to you next week.